Jora, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Extra Trials Football Podcast, the home of alternative football. The 21-22 Premier League season has come to a close and spoiler alert, Manchester City have won the league once again after a nail-biting finish on the final day. Join me on the pod, it's Lyle the Perth Gunner Stewart. How's it going, mate? Yeah, not too bad. How are we all? Good to be back on the pod. Feels like it's been a, a lifetime since I've been back on, but um, no, I'm, uh, I'm alive and well, Eddie. Alive and well. Yeah, mate, you've survived the season. It's been a long season, mate. It's been a long season. I've been everywhere, overland and sea and Leicester. <laughs> I'm just writing it down, mate. So you've been to, what, roughly, what, 26 league games this season? Something like that, yeah, mate, in that vicinity. So I've been to 13 out of our 18 away games in the league oh, this yeah? year. So of those 13 out of the 18, Brentford and Spurs, the only two I couldn't get a ticket for. So Brentford's got a tiny, it's tiny allocation. It's like 1,500, I think. Um, Spurs who couldn't get a ticket to that and then um, Man City at the start of the year I was on holiday Norwich was boxing day so I had family stuff um, and then I had a ticket to Everton away but I got COVID so couldn't make it and then yeah I've only missed one away game all of this year which was Spurs away Mate, cracking effort um, oh, you know what I was with my family last night and my mum goes Lyle travels a lot doesn't he? <laughs> that's an understatement mate <laughs> That's another statement. <laughs> Mate, I would love to do... Okay, so do you, do you know what my... From an away game perspective, do you know what my map looks like this season? It's, it's absolutely outrageous, right? So um, so basically, started up in Burnley, Lancashire, which is a long, 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 long trip. Then from Burnley, all the way down to the other end of the country, went to, um, to Brighton. Then up to the East Midlands, which was Leicester. I then went up to the Northwest, to Scouseland, to Liverpool. And then from Liverpool, not too far, to United away, uh, we then did from United away, we went across to um, Leeds away. Then from Leeds away, we went come back down to the West Midlands, did Wolves at home. Then did Watford away down in Hertfordshire. Um, and then from Hertfordshire, we came back up to the West Midlands, which is Villa away. Then it was the, you know, all the down south games after that. So we did Palace away, done Southampton away, Chelsea away, then did West Ham away and then finally finished it up in the bloody end of end of the world, Newcastle away, last game of the season. So that was my <laughs> aways in the league. And then in the cup, I went to Nottingham Forest and I went to, uh, in the FA Cup, and then in the League Cup, went to Liverpool. Let's talk about Newcastle away then. How was that? Oh man, Newcastle away is live long in the memory. So what is what one of those I call planes, trains and automobiles, mate. So um, I flew up from London for that one, mate. So I was bosh, up, first class up in the sky. Um, so we got into Newcastle early doors. And would you believe it? Unbelievable, Jeff. Who would have thought? So over, like in the weekend, the sun was beaming in the capital and across the country. It was 25 degrees in London. And then we get into Newcastle, 14 degrees and pissing with rain all day. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we were in Newcastle. Arsenal took the town over. And I mean, first and foremost, right? put this on record sky tv are an absolute joke um gary neville have a long hard look at yourself you absolute hypocritical prick right you give it all this about oh yeah europe you're right european super league yeah give it all this about what about the fans all this blah, blah, blah. mate we ought to take two days off work your fucking company yeah sent us up to newcastle on a monday night 300 odd mile return you're a prick mate hypocritical prick joker absolute joker right sky sent us up there eight o'clock kickoff on a monday night what's that about i mean for the away fans yeah so um just want to get that one off my chest um but wait it was cracking i mean we took it over so obviously like all the arsenal fans were some had been there from friday night during the weekend and then we were there first thing monday and um 
maze of madness. So we, we we took over all the pubs and bars pre-match, and we had a you know right outside the station there's a pub called the Victoria Comet. It was mad. It was like doing a European away. There's about 500 of us just outside the front uh, outside the front of the pub doing a sing song. Um, and then um, it was pretty hilarious, mate. I'm not going to lie to you. So. Um, uh, one of our friends was like, oh, yeah, my knee's hurting. I don't think that I'm going to make it to the way end. So we're like, oh, yeah, we'll carry you up there. So we picked them up <laughs> and we're going to carry them up there. So that was good. And then, um, yeah, it was, the away end's a joke, mate. You may as well not be there because you're right up on the gods. It's like 14 floors, 14 floors up, however many flights of steps. So it's hilarious. One of my pals, yeah, was like, oh, my knees, I've just had a knee op, so we got to lift up. And then... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to lift up because he's had a knee up, knee up. Yeah, um, yeah. And then um, fair play to Arsenal when we turned up, they all gave us a free drink, which was nice. So, um, and then yeah, mate, the game was nothing to write home about. We were awful, but it was a big atmosphere up there. The Geordies were going like mental in it, like proper atmosphere. Last game at home, and then we absolutely bottled it, mate. It was um, pretty heartbreaking. Not going to lie to you. Um, we drunk every pub, every bar after the game, uh, drowning our sorrows. Um, and then, yeah, getting home was just shit. That's the only way to describe it. It was just shit getting home. Cancelled trains, plane, planes delayed. It was, love it, mate. But um, overall, it was, you know, cracking away day up there. But um, the football was just rubbish, mate. We were, yeah. we were just not at the races. And it was, do you know what? The players let us down, mate. That's the only thing I'm going to say there is that... Um, you know, the fan base has been so united, mate. You've been up and down the country all year supporting the team, backing them, and just let us down, mate. That's just the only way to describe it. Yeah, it's happened again, mate. At the worst yeah. timing, you know, again for Arsenal. Same as uh, Emery's final season. Yeah, the I was there. I was there. I was there. I was at Brighton last game of the season when all we needed was a bloody draw. It was a win, I think, to get through. And we bloody, you know, drew. Um but my prediction came through, unfortunately, at the start of the season. I said we we're going to finish outside. So I said we'd get Europa League. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's really disappointing, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I was so gutted. I was so down last week. I was so down on Wednesday, Thursday. I mean, it's not even funny how much money we all spent to get up there and back. It's a, I probably could have gone away in Europe for a week, mate, in Spain or Portugal somewhere. But, I mean, it's what you do for your club, really, isn't it? But it was um, the hurt from Newcastle will live and Spurs away will live a long time. So you missed out by two points, right, to your yeah. rivals. Now, I mean, don't get worse than that. But if you were to point to any set of games where you think you lost that top four spot, where would it be? First and foremost, I'm really proud of all our young players. I think our young players have been 10 out of 10 this season. I think, you know, spot on. You know, I think we've probably got the best crop of young players in the league. You look at from front to back, you've got Ramsdale and goal, you've got Gabriel, Ben White, mm. Tierney, if you throw him into the mix, blah, blah, blah. I don't even think Tommy Atsu's that old. Um, and then you look at the midfield, you know, um, oh, baby, do you know what it's worth? Martin Odegaard's the best on earth. Silky Norwegian, do you know what we need? Martin Odegaard will take us through the Champions League. And so Odegaard's been a revelation this season, mate. I mean, if he doesn't get in the PFA team of the year, that's a joke. Um, Smith Rowe's been great. Zach has been great. Martinelli's been great. And I mean, so, so look, I mean, all the young players, brilliant, but we just didn't have the experience in the squad. So in terms of the games which let us down, um, I think Everton away was a joke, losing up there to them. United, when we were... We were up at Old Trafford twice and somehow managed to lose that uh, was was bad. 
So that's two games. Draw into Burnley, nil all was shocker at home. And then it was the calamity, which was really the run of three games, which was uh, Palace away on the Monday night. Uh, then we had Brighton and then at home and then we had Southampton. That's what really hurt us, Eddie. I mean, forget the earlier games of the season. But those three games where all we needed to do was, it was literally five or six points. That was the combination. We needed a, a loss and two wins or two draws. and a, a, That was the combination. So those games killed us, mate, really, realistically. And then we did the miraculous, which was, I mean, that's the best game Arsenal's played in a long time away from home, Chelsea way, which was doing them now, which was brilliant. And then West Ham away as well, which was, we squeaked a win there and then United at home. But I think those three games, mate, Brighton, mm. um, Southampton and then uh, Palace, that's what cost us, mate. I say that, but then we sort of bottled it again because if we went to Spurs and got a point and then, you know, got a point at Newcastle, we would have been all right as well. So, I mean, you can pick any of them, innit? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the final day then. And let's start with Arsenal. So, you needed to win. And Spurs to lose. Now I put money on this, but I, I put money on the so Arsenal I, I put, win and Spurs I'll put, lost. I'll put, I'll put a, a tenner on it, which is playing 150 pound return, mate. That's yeah, the, uh, that was the that was the that was the mathematics, mate. That was uh, all she that was all she wrote. Um, but um, no, look, the problem is Eddie, and I said this on the last pod, I think, which I was on. I can't, I can't remember it's been ages since I was on. The difference between Arsenal and Spurs is they got a the firepower up front. So I think we've probably we're probably maybe better than them in the midfield and defensively. But that Son, Kane, whoever the other guy on the wing is, combo, is just deadly, right? And this is what's hurt us this season. I think we only scored 63 goals in the league, which is just not enough to get in the top four. I mean, to do that, you're looking proper 1-0 to the Arsenal because you're saying over a 38-game season, you're averaging, what, one and a half, just you know, what around one and a half goals or something like just over that. It's, it's not enough. You need to be averaging two and a half goals or something, really, because you know that you've got to be winning games two, three on, on, on average, right? Um, two, two, one or whatever, um, three, three, one. Um, so I think that's that's the only thing in it. With Kane and Son, it's just, just different class up front. You put them in our squad, we'd probably be pushing top two, really. What was the atmosphere like at the Emirates? It's fantastic, mate. I mean, the one thing you, I mean, the, I mean, mate, it's been my favourite season following Arsenal since probably 2007-8 when Eduardo broke his leg. I mean, the atmosphere at the club's the best it's been since, since the Highbury days, really. I think, I mean, you've got to give credit to Arteta. I mean, he's cleared out all the deadwoods. I think the fan base has been united. Um, and yeah, it's been a great atmosphere home and away. I think the Emirates atmosphere has just improved, um, you know, so much, uh, you know, I think because obviously I think finally the the connections back between the, the players and the fans and um you know a lot more young youngsters are coming to Arsenal. So um, you know, we've brought brought that back as well in the sense that uh we've got a section now next to the away fans where we've got all the sort of sixteen to twenty year olds who've who are going in there making lots of noise, um, which is which is great. So the atmosphere is fantastic, Edsy. Um and yeah, we 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 annihilated them, really, didn't we? Five different goal scorers. Yeah, don't get that often, do you? There nah. was um, Martinelli scored the pen. Cedric Odegaard. Um, I think Nketiah got one, and then Gabriel got one. I think they were the five scorers. Can we just tell this now, Eddie Nketiah? Right after the performances he's had this season for you, right? Has he swayed your opinion of you know whether he should stay at Arsenal? Um, no, I'd, I'd move him on. I think um, you know, fair play to him. He it's a handshake agreement. I don't think he's good enough, personally. 
I think he had a good little run of games, but I, I, I would sell him personally. I just I don't see enough there, mate, for me to say, yeah, he should be our guy. I mean, he's been at the club for two, three years. No, I think um, handshake agreement. You know, thank you very much for um, you know for what he's done to help us get to where we've got to. But personally, no, I'd move him on. So you'd keep uh, Lacazette over him then? Nope, Lacazette can go as well. I'd get rid of both of them, mate. <laughs> Who are you going to bring in then? <laughs> we need two strikers. So, I mean, there's talk about Jesus. I'm not that bothered about Jesus, but he's oh, better yeah. than what we've we've got. I, I would love us to go out and get Tammy Abram from Roma. I think he would be good. I mean, you can't. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Didn't he break the record in Serie A uh, for the most goals, I think, from an Englishman? Yeah, 17, I think. So, yeah. it's not a bad return. I mean, let's be honest, you're not that there's been a wealth of Englishmen in, in Italy. That there, but <laughs> it's probably like population one, sample size one, but um, yeah, it's <laughs> still, still not a bad result, is it? Um, but yeah, I think Abraham and Hazus would be a good option for us. It's mm. better than what we've got. Lacazette doesn't score. He's useless. And then Niketi, I mean, yeah, he's had a good little run, but he's too lightweight for me. He's too lightweight. You need someone who's got a bit more timber. And then I think Hazus is an upgrade on Niketi in and around the box. Uh, do you want to talk about the other games, mate, in the final day? So we had, um, of course, you know, City and Liverpool going for the title. Um, City nearly bottled it, but somehow came back to win 3-2 against Villa. Steven Gerrard's Villa. A lot of talk before the game about whether uh, Stevie G can help Liverpool out. And you know Never. what, mate? They were 2-0 up. Coutinho scored. Like, you think it was written in the stars that <sighs> this was going to be Liverpool's day, but... Yeah, somehow City found a way. Um, mate, you know, never three quick never, goals in it, what six minutes. Mate, it was one of those where never in a million years was City going to give up the league. I think Liverpool will probably sweep up the Champions League to so clean up all the cups. But I mean, City, even though they were two 0 down, I knew they'd come back. They had to, didn't they? I mean, the players, the managers' jobs were on the bloody line there. If they pulled that one up, they'd probably get lynched outside the Etihad. <laughs> And then Liverpool, yeah, they made it hard work, but they did beat Wolves at the end 3-1, but it wasn't enough to, to top City. Now, Liverpool, they've only lost two games all season and they've not lost a game at home, but still did not win the league. Like, it's nuts to think that you get over 90 points and you don't win the league. It is mad, isn't it? But I think, and this is controversial, Liverpool are a better cup team than they are in the league. And I think Klopp's just cottoned on to that. So I think for ages he's been trying to chase the, the league. But the style of football they play is much better in the Cups because their problem is they will pick up draws because they're just going to have games where they, you know, over 38-game season don't fire. Whereas City's got the other problem, which is City don't win big games. They don't win one-off big games. And this is the interesting bit. When's the last time City beat a massive club in a big competition? So forget the League Cup because the League Cup's Mickey Mouse. When's the last time they beat a big club to win an FA Cup or a... Champions League never done it so we've beat them twice in the semi-finals of the FA Cup in the last five years and then they've gone out so many times in the Champions League and then when they won the FA Cup what they played Watford in the final or someone like that um, yeah, League Cup well years ago. League, yeah, League Cup they did us in the bloody final but I mean we were a shambles at the time so their problem is I don't think they have a big game performance in them in the cup competitions they just ain't got they ain't got the minerals Eddie. they don't the problem is is that and no disrespect to them right and I mean it's like boxing. Right? All they've got is a jab. They ain't got no knockout punch. And this is the problem with that team. Whereas Liverpool, to be fair to them, with Salah, who is not a big game, Salah doesn't turn up in the big games. Facts. You look at him, he's recently in the big game, in the Cubs, nothing, right? 
But they've got Jota, they've got Mane, they've got Diaz, Firmino. They've got firepower, mate. Do you know what I mean? It's just, and that's the difference. I think Liverpool got the knockout punch. I think Man City would rather be in a Champions League final than win another league title. That's the harsh reality because they've got the same problem Arsenal had uh, under Wenger in our hybrid days where they just have no luck in Europe. Uh, I mean, is Haaland going to be the final bit of the jigsaw puzzle? Maybe. Um, who knows? But, um, I mean, if you're a Liverpool fan, it's a, it's a good season. What? Going in four competitions, they won the FA Cup and the League Cup, albeit the most boring FA Cup final I've watched in well over 10 years. Um, maybe even going close to 15, actually. It was a shocking game. It was awful. They've sm- yeah, they've managed to squeak out a little, an FA Cup and a League Cup, both on pens. They're in the Champions League final. I mean, that's it. I mean, if you win all... If you, that's a 10 out of 10 season, isn't it, really? Well, not really. They go for the quad, won't they? No, but I mean, if someone said, if you, well, 10 out of 10 has got, look, you win the Champions League, you're the best team in Europe. You win both the two domestic cups. It means that, you know, you've cleaned up domestically from a cup competition. Mate, yes, that's 10 out of 10. You take that every every year, mate. I don't know about the Champions League because you've got teams that win it they, they, and look at their performance in domestic comps. Like, for example, Chelsea, when they won the recent um, Champions League, where did they finish in the league? Fourth, I think. Yeah, there you go. Memory. Yeah, but Liverpool's different though because they've cleaned up domestically. So they cleaned up all the cups. The only bloody reason they didn't do the league is because of Man City's style of football. Man City play the most bloody attritional sort of possession-based blah, blah, blah football, which is just designed to win games of league games of football because it's an easy, repeatable style over 38 games. Possession, possession, pass it round, blah, blah, blah. And then boom, you know, knock in a few goals from the wings, yeah? Hmm. They're going to be scary you, next year, though, aren't they? Oh, with Haaland, yeah, I think that's the final piece in the jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. I do believe, I genuinely do believe that. But you look at it and you think, from Liverpool's perspective, Klopp's biggest mistake over the last five or six years has been not taking the domestic cup seriously because it's a good springboard. Because now, actually, you look at his CV and you think, shit, if he manages to pick up the cups, he's. You look at it now and think, actually, the Geezers won a league title, two Champions Leagues, an FA Cup, and a League Cup. Then yeah, that's not bad. It's much better than just a singular Champions League and a league title. Go, go back to City, though. The fact that they've not really had a striker for the last two seasons, they've won the league back-to-back. They've, won, yeah. they've, they've scored nine, uh, yeah, 99 goals this season in the league. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, the league's not their problem, though, is it? It's the one-off games where you need them big-game players to turn up. And I think it's always tricky when you're going to play tippy-tappy sort of football in cup competitions in the big games. I read something the other day that on Super Sunday, mathematically, every single team could have changed position. Yeah, it's probably That's the right, first mate. time I think it's ever happened on the final day of the season. Yeah, they're saying that. Let's look at the bottom of the of the league and, you know, the fight for survival. So this was interesting. Yeah, it's one, one of those grounds, mate, you won't have to visit next year. So Turf Moor, Burnley. Now, Burnley, yeah. all they had to do, like everything was in their own hands. All they had to do was match or better, Leeds United's result, and they end up losing 2-1 at home to Newcastle. Um, Leeds, they pulled it out of the bag late in the game to win 2-1 against Brentford. Mm-hmm. If you were to pick who you wanted to go down, mate, who did you want to go down? Norwich, because they're just time wasters, straight up. Um, Brentford, I was surprised. Uh, they surprised me, truth be told. But only, I, yeah, I thought they'd done their dash. They'd sort of just become a bit like the Sunderland, just squeaking it every season. 
Oh yeah, Watford, another club like Norwich, they don't do anything. Do you know what I mean? They turn up and just as uh, <laughs> no substance. And then when they appointed Roy Hodgson, that was just the end. That's like when you put like the for sale, the foreclosure signs up, closing down <laughs> sale. I mean, look, Palace, um, look, look at Palace, mate. If Palace had got rid of Hodgson, they would have been in dire straits, mate. And look at what happened. Vieira come in, and it was like. No, he revamped the place, breathed fresh life into it. Hodgson's finished. He's a bloke's a dinosaur. Him and Ray Lewington. <laughs> I never understand these, right? So you've got these clubs that have these long, you know, um, stalwart managers who are really loyal to the club. And like, even Dice had offers to leave Burnley, you know, throughout his time at the, at the league, but he stayed there. And then they sack him. You're in the middle yeah. of a dogfight and you sack your manager that's been at the club for so many years. You might as well persist with him, right? What's the, what's the rationale yeah. of sacking a manager? I, th- I think the problem is, is it's that when a crisis hits, people panic. And that's exactly mm. what happened. It's rather than hold their nerve, they, they panicked, yeah? Now, the one thing you've got to give Burnley credit. Now, interesting statistic. Burnley are the only town club which are in the Premier League. So if you look at the size of Burnley, you know, fair play to them. Yeah, and that's why they belong in the Championship. <laughs> uh, but what I'm saying, though, is they've punched above their batting average for a very long time. In terms of drama, where would you rate this um, this final day of the season then? I was up there, wouldn't it? I mean, Leeds looked like they could have been done for all money and that would have been a disaster for them and their fans given the size of the club and the fact that they've only had one season in the Premier League with fans because the first season was, was the COVID year. Um, so I think that would have been an absolute disaster, mate. I think Everton, you know, uh, it's a bit embarrassing, to be honest with you, seeing a club of that stature celebrating like, like that. I think... Um, I get it because obviously you're relieved of staying up. You think, fuck, your club is in trouble, mate. Because I think they would have gone bust, Edzie, if they went into the championship because they're building a new ground and whatever. I mean, I think they've still got massive dire financial consequences given you look at, I think they've spent their fifth most or sixth most in recent years. Um, So I think, you know, with Everton, I don't think that we've seen the end of this by any stretch of the imagination. I think that, uh, the club's got some significant problems because hmm. how the hell are they going to build that new stadium unless they've got a significant capital backing from some owners is beyond me because those stadiums nowadays, 50-odd, 60,000, are close to a bloody a billion pound, mate. Hey, let's talk about the, the pitch invasion. So this is a, a trend in the last week or so, you know, so many games with so many pitch invasions, right? Now, for me, I'm not sure if you've, have you done a pitch invasion before? Yeah. So usually they're left for, you know, special occasions when you won the league, right? Or you've been promoted. Yeah. yeah. Now, Everton did it the other day for just staying up. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the, what the fans are doing, when you know, when they're going on the field and yeah. the actions they do. They're not celebrating. They're there to just cause right. ruckus, really, and attacking players and managers. Like, what's your thoughts on that then? I'll answer this question, but before I do, the problem is, is there is a new breed of idiots going to football. So you've got these plonkers who dress up in Stone Island gear, on the gear at eight o'clock in the morning. If you don't know what the gear is, if you're in New Zealand, Google it. Um, And then, you know, drinking, blah, 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 causing antisocial behaviour, right? There's a new breed of idiots. You go into the toilets, it's lawless, mate. You've got people doing drugs, smoking, blah, blah, blah. And unfortunately, you're seeing a massive rise in antisocial behaviour at football. That is just a fact, right? And that is why they're trying to make it a criminal offence to be in possession of drugs or or, or do drugs at at football. So, So that is one factor. Now... What this is fueling is then what you're seeing is some of the, the bad behaviour, uh, which is which is spilling onto the pitch. So in terms of the pitch invasions, it's an absolute joke. So the 
the, the security is a joke. Let's be brutally honest with you. I mean, go back to the world. Um, so the Euros last year um, at uh, at Wembley, uh, it's all a joke. Um, you know, a lot of these stewards just, you know, they're not even interested. Uh, the only way you can really fix it is, is getting the police in. Now, in terms of the incidents you talked about, the Nottingham Forest stuff was frankly a disgrace. I mean, they're very lucky to be in the championship playoff because it was so predictable. It was avoidable um, and it was stupid. You need to get the police down. You need to charge the clubs for at costs. And then you need to get the players and the management staff off the pitch safely. The same thing with the Vieira incident. Now, with the Vieira incident, I would say credit to the Everton fans because they sorted it out and realised that their guy was just being a twat and sort of got Vieira off the pitch. But you shouldn't have that. Now, I was at the Birmingham City versus Blackburn game about three weeks ago. And Birmingham City had a massive protest at full time around the ownership. Now, the one thing I would say is the police were there in massive numbers and um, they had shitloads of security. Probably, I'm no lower of lies, it's probably about 300 police and probably about close to five, uh, probably about eight, 500, 800 security. It was wild. Now, what annoys me with the pitch invasions is it all starts off like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's have fun, blah, blah, blah. Then it's like, oh, yeah, let's get the opposition players and management. Then it's let's come for the opposition fans. So with the Birmingham City example, we're in the away end. They first come on, start demonstrating, then they come over to the away end. Hundreds of them coming over, lobbying stuff, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's the biggest That's the biggest issue. I'm not being a party pooper here, but like we've we've had some great pitch invasions in the past, but that's like when the players have buggered off. I mean, I'm th- I think in the lower leagues, I think the players are well, more smart. So they know, they know they when to run it, off the field. If, yeah, if they want to do it safely, they have to say fans. You said, And this is there is one argument where you could say, look, fans have to... Say so we will allow you on the pitch, but you've got to wait till the opposition player is off. And if you're not, if you're if you're on before that, we're going to dock you ten points. You're going to get docked ten points, and that would yeah. sort everyone out quick, smart mate. Because <laughs> you ain't, ain't Man City, eh? your title's going to Liverpool, boom, straight away. You know what? I remember the last ever game of the Vetch. So we played Wrexham, I think it was in the Welsh Cup, and uh, full time whistle comes. I don't know how they brought the shovels into the ground, but because it was the last game of the Vetch, people jump on the field. Starting shoveling little bits of grass off the field to chuck it in there in garden. <laughs> Remember people screw driving the Mad nails it. off the chairs and taking it home with them. That oh, was brilliant. <laughs> Mad, crazy, isn't it? Back to Arsenal. So Arteta, this is his what third season now? Yeah, first season. Yes. Yeah, finishing fifth. Is that a successful season for you? Finishing fifth will never be successful for Arsenal Football Club. That's the harsh reality, given the size of the club. Um, I think it's not a success. I think, have we made some progress? Yes. I mean, we've been a little bit better away from home. Uh, we've really sorted a few. We've, we've, we've definitely got some a more cohesive squad. We, you can see the potential with some young players. And I think, you know, we were starting to look quite good until the injuries hit. So, um, has it been a successful? So, would I say it's been a successful season? No, frankly. Would I say it's been a season of progress? Yes. Because what defines a successful season? Trophies? No. Are we in Champions League football? No. Europa? Am I, you know, I like Europa because I'm a match going fan. It's cool. I can go out to you and do some European aways, blah, blah, blah. But are we really going to attract top class players for Europa? I mean, the, the reality is no. Successful season? No. Have we made progress? Yes, because we've cleared out the deadwood. We've gotten some really good youngsters, blah, blah, blah. But actually, 
there's a lot of there's more questions than answers for, for next season to be to be brutally honest with you what do you think needs to happen then mate so in in my opinion if Arteta doesn't get us into Champions League next year he's got to get sacked and I'm not saying that as a knee-jerk reaction it's just the reality you can't give someone four years and not have a end product at the end of it now the biggest problem we've got is we're relying too much on young players now and, and this is why I'm actually quite relaxed about where Arsenal are. We've had a lot of deadwood. We've cleared them out. We've got some really good youngsters, which are great. I think we've got a good culture at the club. You can see that in terms of the positivity and the players. The players have re-engaged with the fans, which has resulted in a, in a better atmosphere. Now, that's all well and good and, and, and nice and lovey-dovey. But let's be brutally honest with you. That's only going to last for, for so long. And then... Arsenal do what they always do, which is shoot themselves in the foot, which is charge absolutely extortionate prices. So our season ticket prices came out for next season. And, you know, you're looking at £930 for the cheapest adult season ticket next year. And that's with Europa League football. So that's so the lowest tier season tickets are about, you know, grand upstairs. You're looking at 1300 to 1800 quid. Now, when you're charging those prices, if you're not going to get in the Champions League, I'm afraid to say... You, it's a sackable offence, right? The club has set themselves up from a business model perspective. You're charging, you know, Harrods prices, you know, top, top prices. You've got to deliver, right? So that, that's the harsh reality. Arsenal have to deliver Champions League next year. Otherwise, based on the way the club runs itself from a business model perspective, the ticket prices, you know, bringing out three, four, five, all these, if they haven't made top four next year, it's a, it's a failure. But you are looking forward to those European trips though. Yeah, so look, as a match-going fan, Europe's brilliant because it's two days off work, Thursday, Friday, and you, you, know, you go to all sorts of weird and wonderful places. Um, so it's good. I think it's a good stepping stone. I mean, would we have been ready for Champions League next season? Probably not. Would it have been nice to get there? Would it have been a good problem to have? Absolutely. Um, I think the biggest problem they've got is the, the, the attracting of players. I think he's got they've got to go out and spend uh, probably £200 million to £150 million in the off-season. Um Really, and that's it's tricky because we're about six to eight players short, mate. And the mm. fact we're back in Europe next year, it's um, it's going to be a heavy lift. But I think ultimately, this is where Arteta needs to prove that he's good enough to go up against the big managers. And if he's not, then we need to find a, a new manager. Mm. So I mean, I like Arteta, I like what he's done, but he needs to have an end product next year. Otherwise, it's it's bye bye because you've got to be ruthless, in you? What's been your your biggest highlight in terms of your away trips? Like, what's your favourite away trip this season? Chelsea away was unbelievable. Uh, to, to, to I mean, we've waited. I mean, no disrespect to Chelsea, but I can't stand them. A Chelsea fan, I can't stand them as a football club, both on and off the pitch. Um, and you know, they give us all this nonsense that yeah, we're the biggest club in London, which is all bullshit. I mean, their fan base is smaller than they're not even the, the top three, in my opinion. Uh, Tottenham and West Ham have got more fans than them in and around London. I mean, they're probably fourth, really. Um, and um, yeah, turning up to Stamford Bridge with no fans there, singing just like the old days, there's nobody here, dicking in full two. And then the <laughs> fact that their fans had the audacity to start uh, singing about how Saka let the country down and racially, you know, slurring him before the game. So they, no, that was brilliant. That mm. was that was absolutely fantastic. Being there when we done them full two was just awesome awesome day out um so that was that was i don't think i can top that you're looking forward to the documentary yeah i'll probably be in there i reckon somewhere along the way i can't oh, I hope you are I, mate i hope I you can't are. wait i didn't do any interviews but i can't i hope they don't delete the burnley away bit burnley away was absolutely hilarious so we're all <laughs> up there at the cricket club and there's a camera crew which are filming and some arsenal fans who've clearly been drinking since early doors come steaming over and they're like 
or you, Arsenal fan TV. Fuck off out of our club. You blah, 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 blah. And they're like, whoa, 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 guys. We're the Amazon documentary. Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, oh, Amazon. Oh, sorry, guys. Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, hey, do you want to interview? They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, look, am I looking forward to it? Probably not, because there's going to be some sort of stuff where I'm just going to be a little bit sort of banter. Um, you know, especially us missing out on top four. Um, but yeah, it'd be a good laugh, good watch. Yeah. Uh, have you seen who's um, narrating the docker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's old, um, it's Daniel Kalushi, I think. Mate, we were expecting Idris Alba. Oh, no, Idris would have been sick. Or oh, Ian Wright. Could you imagine Wright doing it? Like nah, that? nah. Idris Alba was like the one because he's gone to a lot of games, apparently. This yeah, season, he's an so. Arsenal. He's a Hackney, he's a Hackney boy. So obviously uh, that's, pretty, that's local, in it? So yeah. The, the only excuse that I can give him is that if he's probably filming James Bond, then that's fine. I'll let him off that's this time. True. But Idris Alba would be brilliant. It would have been wicked. They got the guy from uh, from Get Out, which is quite funny. <laughs> yeah. That's probably what you'd be chanting next season with Arteta anyway. So. <laughs> I hope not. I like Arteta. I like what he's done. I like this, the vibe and the culture and the energy. I, I really want him to be successful. I think he would, you know, I, I want Arteta to be successful. And I think he's one step there, but he's got to sort out. He needs senior pros in the team. You can't rely on the young kids. Um, but if football's a result business, so fingers mm. crossed, but um, you never know. Anyway, before you head off, give me some bold predictions for next season. So the Premier League, who's going to win the Premier League? I think Man City win it again, mate, to be honest with you. Where, who else is... Uh, Liverpool? Unless they go out... Probably Liverpool is they're like... Uh, old cloppy babies, a bit like Wenger back in the day. Does just He gets a little player here, a little player there, but he's not going to go out and blow, buy... Nah, City, City's going to win it again. Yeah. Where are Arsenal going to finish next year? I'm going to look at this from a slightly different perspective. I think Spurs... And Arsenal, you can sort of see what they're doing, if that makes sense. I think Spurs have got a world-class manager in the Conte. Keep Kane, son, build around them. Yep. Arsenal got a great group of young players. Need to supplement it with some experienced players. The two clubs that's a bit up in the air is Chelsea and United. Chelsea, are the taps going to get turned off from a money perspective? Probably. Um, And United, in the sense that the club is just in shambles on and off the pitch. You know, everything from scandal, Mason Greenwood, to, you know, uh, going basically, you know, on the pitch. It just, it just don't look like a team. So, so the question is, would we have a season where you could see Chelsea and United finish outside the top four? So that would be my bold prediction. And I think potentially you might see that next year. Mm. And I think it could be that it's Arsenal, Spurs, Liverpool and City in the four. I think that would be my bold prediction. Uh, my other bold prediction is that Leicester City's day, they're done. I think Leicester's done their day. I can't see them. I think they're finished. I think West Ham, I think they're finished as well, unless they spend big in the summer. I think what David Moyes has overachieved, I, I give him an immense credit, but I think unless they, over, they spend their finish, I think what you'll see next season is Newcastle coming up the table. And I think if Patrick Vieira gets backed, I think Palace will come up in there as well. So I think my bold prediction is that Leicester, gone. West Ham, unless they spend, gone. I think Newcastle and Palace could be the ones who are pushing up there next year. Mm. I think United and Chelsea outside the fall. And the big one, mate, the World Cup. Or who's going to win the World Cup? Yeah. There's a lot of good youngsters coming out of Brazil. So I'd like to see what Brazil do at this World Cup. And Brazil hasn't done anything in quite a long time. Uh, I still think 
France, this is their golden time. No one's done back-to-back World Cups, though. That's the problem. It's almost impossible to do. The Germans have got some good young kids coming. I think Portuguese, not a chance. So, okay, what is my bold prediction for the World Cup? I think... Go on, mate. Put your neck on the line. Just say it. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Come on, mate. Surely. Surely this is your time. No, my bold prediction for the World Cup, I think Brazil could be in now. I don't think, I'm never back England to win nothing. Miracle for us to win it. I think Wales, I think you lot might qualify. I think you might, there's a good chance you'll qualify. So, uh, we'll find out in the next couple of weeks, mate. Yeah, and now, I mean, the real question is, Eddie, are you coming out to Qatar? That's the real <laughs> question. I mean, so, and this one's for all the viewers over there. I mean, um, what no. we want to do is try and do some filming over there in Qatar, a bit of, side stuff, blah, blah, blah. So really what we need to do is we need to get a little GoFundMe for all you viewers out there to get Eddie out to Qatar because, uh, you know, the man is just, you know, pulling out every excuse in the book. So really what we need to try and do is get him over to Qatar. Based on what happened last week at Eurovision, if we get Ukraine in the final, we ain't qualifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cheats from the East, mate. But do you know what's interesting? When's the last so when's the last time a team from South America won the World Cup? It's going back quite a few years now, isn't it? Two thousand two. Yeah, Brazil. Yeah. Brazil. So is this the year of the South Americans, the resurgence, the set the you know? I know Brazil won in nineteen fifty eight, right? So that was in Sweden. Yeah. In sixty two Brazil won, won it again. It, yeah, in Chile. Then they won it again in seventy, so nineteen seventy. It was against Italy. That was in Mexico. Yeah. Obviously, 94, US 94, they beat Italy on pens. Yeah. Then they won um, it the in Ar- Japan in 2002. So they've only, a South American team's actually only done it once away from North or South America. What about the Argies? The Argentinians won it in... They won it at home in Argentina, 78. Yeah. Um, 86, again, was in Mexico. Was it? But yeah, the only time the South American teams won away from the Americas was the you want to, Brazil was team 2002. Even then, they probably shouldn't have won that World Cup. Were well, you saying England should have knocked them out when Seaman blundered it? Well, possibly, yeah. No, nah, that Brazil team, though, was probably one of the best teams to play in tournament football because they had the destroyer <laughs> up front, the Ronaldo. <laughs> Forget this, he was a destroyer, and you also had Rivaldo. And you had Ronaldinho. That they were dangerous, mate. They were dangerous sides. Them, France in '98, and then probably the Spain team in 2010 are the best teams I think I've seen at, at tournament football in the World Cup. That Spanish team wasn't funny when you look back on it. I mean, just everywhere stacked with just amazing players. Yeah, did you see that thing the other day? Um, there was a comparison between Xavi in the Estin Busquets, right, and. Ah, oh, the Real Madrid one, uh, Casemiro, uh, Modric, and I, I can't remember the other fella. I really can't. But they were trying to compare who has the best three midfielders of all time. Never topped that, mate. It was just on a different level. And the reason is because, buddy, they all grew up in the same academy. Xavi and Iniesta had played together for forever. Um, there's just there's almost like a telepathic understanding. Oh, Tony Cruz. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Modric, Cruz, Casemiro against Xavi in the Esther Busquets. So like, the, the, no, so the difference is it's not fair from an output perspective because I think Xavi and Esther Busquets are not going to get you a lot of goals. But what they did, which no disrespect to Modric, Cruz and the other geezer, <laughs> is they fed the front three 
in a different way. Like the, they were just like, you know, assists, 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 and the way they played. And also, you've got to remember they'd done it over a much longer period of time. I suppose you could say Modric's been at Real Madrid and won a lot of Champions Leagues and blah, blah, blah. But I think, yeah, and Modric is a world-class player, genuine world-class player of the ages and, you know, you know, gets in probably any team, uh, you know, any era, very good player. But you've got to give him respect. But Tony Cruz is not in the same calibre as Iniesta and Xavi, I'm afraid to say. That's just fanciful thinking. Modric, absolutely, in that conversation. Um, but I think, yeah, Tony Tony Cruz, no. Maybe if he does a little bit more, but that's just... And Casemiro, maybe. He's a, he's a bit part mate. <laughs> Sorry, man, man, he's a bit bit part mate. I don't see that that is, that one either. I mean, it's, the thing is, this is that that midfield three of Iniesta, Xavi, and Busquets run rings around bloody the other three. I do look forward though to the World Cup previews. I mean, I'm just hoping yeah. Wales are there. I really hope Wales we'll, are there. Uh, yeah, they'll be there. Oh, don't worry, surely we'll be, we'll be doing some stuff. You know, God willing. Uh, Get, if we get if we can get this man to Qatar, we'll get we'll, we'll, we'll be uh, we'll be doing like live daily streams, exit trials, daily streams, poolside in Qatar. Maybe even get to a few games. You never know. Um, so that would be the that would be the dream. Uh, you need to get me to Avondale yet alone, bloody Qatar, because the trials not played a single game so far this season. <laughs> Anyone out there sponsor us, please? We need some. We need a sponsor for the trials. Get Edzy, Lyle, Amiro, and Daff. <laughs> and oh yeah, sorry, Maurizio, you didn't qualify, mate. Yeah, <laughs> maybe next time. <laughs> um, sorry, mate. Yeah, you, uh, so get get us get us full. Get the the four horsemen: um, Miro, Dav, uh, Eddie, and me out to Qatar. Can someone sponsor us, please? Hey, speaking of Maurizio, quickly, um, I'm watching the Champions League final of them on Sunday morning. Uh, who do you think will win that game, mate? Real Madrid or Liverpool? It's interesting. If you'd asked me this question. Two months ago, I'd had a different answer. But Real Madrid's the form team, mate. So I'm going with Real Madrid. They have, they have to be on form. Karim Benzema, probably the, the best player right now in the world in terms of form. If Liverpool pulled this out of the bag, it would be a massive win because I just don't think that... You look at their recent form, they, they're not firing. What would it be, mate, if they win? Well, they're sixth, the sixth seventh. or seventh? Seventh. Yeah, I think they equal AC seventh. Milan. Wow. Some of their fans have seven fingers, so that might work for them. <laughs> seven, fingers of, seven fingers of Mutants. nine toes. Oh, oh mate. Right, uh, I'm going to head off, mate. Um, last words, mate. Last words is uh, it's been an unbelievable season following the Arsenal overland and sea. feel very privileged to have got to the number of away games I got to and been some amazing games at home as well. Not to mention when we beat Tottenham 3-0. That was unbelievable. Also lovely to do Manchester United too. Um, and yeah, it's been fantastic. I've loved it. You know, great feeling with the club, the fans. It's been awesome, like the old days. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the off-season, mate. Looking forward to a bit of a rest. And then, uh, yeah, we go again next year. Looking forward to seeing all the updates from the trials on their conquest to uh, retain the league title after the weird season which was last year so um no hope everyone enjoys the off season from the football enjoys tunes into the international and uh good luck to the welsh in their uh, playoffs for the world cup uh, awesome mate enjoy the break buddy all right thank you for listening to another episode of the extra trials football podcast the home of alternative football we're back with you again soon in the meantime have a good one Kaki Tano. <laughs>